From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Oh, yes, Mr. Rob Rube. Thank you very much. It's Nate's Mike. It is Mike Davidson lives, the podcast. Thank you for joining me, downloading this thing uh, that I do twice a week. Try to get done twice a week, but you know, life happens. And uh, kind of a big milestone. And by kind, I mean a very big milestone. Recording this Wednesday night. Thursday is my little girl Hazel's fourth birthday. Yeah, and we celebrated earlier tonight because, well, we might be a little too busy tomorrow, but she got some nice little dolls. She got uh, a cake with tons of icing. She was stoked. She loved it. She It was a mermaid-themed cake. She's big into mermaids right now. She loves watching The Little Mermaid, and I'm sure once the uh, live-action version of the movie hits screens coming up in May, uh, we're going to be taking her and her older sister, Lana, to go see it. Logan, uh, well, I don't know. He turns two in May. That's a big milestone. So happy birthday to Hazel, and of course, looking forward to the next birthday with my little boy. All right, uh, quick RIP when it comes to celebrities here. Um, and that would be Cindy Williams, 75, passed away, but uh, notable for uh, being in Laverne and Shirley, along with the late Penny Marshall. Uh, 75 is a pretty good run. Uh, the thing is, though, is, is that was a show... Uh, that I remember watching quite a bit in reruns growing up. Um, and it just seems like a lot of those uh, characters that I looked up to in TV and movies as a kid, they're, they're going away now, but that's life as always. Uh, so it was David Landers who played Squiggy, Lenny and Squiggy. The only uh, person left, I think, really is uh, Michael McKeon. He played Lenny, and Michael McKeon's had a pretty good career. Uh, most recently, he was um, uh, uh, Saul Goodman's older brother, Better Call Saul. Great show. You might have heard me uh, just rave about the show a few times. Uh, but Cindy Williams, uh, iconic. Laverne and Shirley have uh, been spoofed countless times, uh, notably on Wayne's World. And our condolences to her family. And a sad time to be a rock fan, but I think the writing was on the wall with Ozzy Osbourne. He's still alive, uh, but he's in a lot of pain physically. Uh, he did put out that uh, new album, Patient Number 9, not too long ago, which is basically a who's who of uh, collaborators. Uh, he has canceled a bunch of his European dates, and they will not be made up because he is retiring from touring. And he's just not feeling up to it. You, know, you, you contrast that with the Rolling Stones, who unfortunately lost Charlie Watt last year. Uh, they... They are still going to be, excuse me, doing their thing and uh, recording a new album, which means probably more touring. It's really, uh, it's really uh, how fit and uh, healthy you feel. And Ozzy's not feeling it because he's had tons of surgeries. I think he's dealing with some MS issues as well. So uh, we, we wish him the best in retirement. He's had a hell of a run. I think a lot of rock fans. Will will not be disappointed in this decision. There's there's only so much you can do, right? Tom Brady, uh, also announced earlier today. Uh, he is. Uh, I guess he took the video and said, "No, I'm I'm done. I'm retired." We think he's retired. He did this last year, remember? But uh, if uh, if it's true, 23 years, pretty good career, seven Super Bowl rings. Uh, how many how many has he been to? He he went to ten at least, right? Seven out of ten. Yikes! Yeah. So uh, the question is now, what will he do? Because I, I made the um, 
I made the comment uh, in an earlier podcast that it reminded me of the hustler with Paul Newman, where at the beginning of the movie, you know, he's taking on Minnesota Fats and he's beating him in a couple games, and he just didn't know when to walk away. He got sloppy drunk, and eventually, in the long run, Minnesota Fats won. And I'm not saying Tom Brady went out on the field drunk or anything, but you know, he just didn't know when to hang it up. And, uh, you know, statistically speaking, not a bad year this past year. I mean, he was like third in uh, passing yardage. But uh, the, the Buccaneers only won their division because it was the NFC South. Uh, they were a meager 8-9. They were sub-500. They lost to the Cowboys, who um, just got beat by the 49ers. I mean, it was not even a good game, any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, if Tom Brady retired after the last Super Bowl he won with the Buccaneers, that would have been good. Hell, if he retired the year before, like he originally did, where, you know, the Buccaneers did well and, uh, they lost to the eventual Super Bowl champs, Los Angeles Rams in the playoffs, that would have been a good way to go out too. But, uh, he, he didn't quite know when to hang it up until Father Time said, yeah, man, it's, it's done. So now the question is, uh, what is Fox going to do, Fox Sports? Because you now have this drama of Tom Brady retiring, and he's got this caveat to come work for Fox as their top color analyst, their uh, top uh, guy in the broadcast booth. Right now that's being currently held by Greg Olson, and I hate to use the term dead man walking, but it almost seems like that because and it's not deserved because he's actually done a very well, uh, done very well this, uh, especially this past season. He's going to be calling the Super Bowl here a week from Sunday. That's a big to do, uh, and uh, he's gotten a lot of praise. But now he's going to be kind of pushed to the number two uh, broadcast team if Tom Brady comes aboard, or if they decide to do this uh, three-man thing and try to make that work. But it's. When you have three people in the booth talking over each other, it just doesn't quite work as well. You know what I mean? Like, like you need, you just need the play-by-play guy and uh, the color commentator to kind of bounce off of each other. You know, you, you need your Pat Summerall for the drama. You need your John Madden to break down the X's and the O's. That's it. So uh, then if you have, what was it, Kevin Burkhart, and then you have uh, Greg Olson, and then Tom Brady... That in Tom Brady being a novice, but at the same time being Tom Brady, Greg would be kind of in an awkward position. You know what I mean? And it's just like, where do you go? Because uh, right now, CBS's top color color commentator is T- Tony Romo. Uh, ESPN got uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman for their Monday night games. Uh, the only thing that seems logical to me is if NBC swaps uh, snaps him up somehow, um, and has him team up with Mike Tirico for Sunday Night Football in the eventual, uh, the eventuality that uh, Chris Collinsworth steps away from the game, because Chris is getting up in years. Um, but it's uh, been very interesting. I, I hope and I hope something good works out for Greg here, and that he doesn't have anything bad happen to him, like end up at Amazon Prime. Um, but he's he's gotten a lot of kudos this past year for the playoff thing, whereas Tony Romo, who once had uh, a lot of praise and a lot of fawning over and well-deserved at the time, has been kind of like mailing it in lately. <laughs> I mean, he's just uh, not quite like he was. I don't know if the money makes you uh, fat and lazy, but 
he gets that big paycheck and he's like, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, let's go talk to our rule, uh, rules guy about this. Sorry, it's a little dry up here. It's like eight degrees outside here in Northeast Indiana. It's been real fun. Uh, speaking of fat and happy and lazy, well, I don't know if he's lazy, but uh, the Denver Broncos snapped up Sean Payton uh, from the New Orleans Saints, and it's going <laughs> to it's going to cost them a lot of money. Um, I'm not going to get into the specifics of the um, of the contract, but uh, it's going to cost them some because of the way it was with New Orleans. It's going to cost them some draft picks. So you know, last year. They traded up for Russell Wilson, and that worked out so bitchingly well. And now they got to Greg, uh, Greg, I'm sorry, Sean Payton. I got Greg Olson on the brain here. And uh, <clears throat> one commentator, I guess, with ESPN says the Broncos have basically traded three first-round picks, three second-round picks, three NFL players for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton to make things work. And that's a lot of future for two old dudes. And, you you know, these are guys that are probably going to end up in Canton one day. But I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> but then again, if there was a cheaper way for the Colts to get Sean Payton, any way to get away from um, Jeff Saturday, I would have taken that. Now, one guy that has been a lot cheaper than the Denver Broncos is uh, Chad, formerly Ocho Cinco Johnson, who, uh, you know, was uh, kind of, you know, he's he's been in retirement and uh, for a while now, and he, he's actually been on the sideline of Cincinnati Bengals games as they made their playoff run this past year. But I guess uh, uh, Shannon Sharp, when he's not bitching at uh, opposing teams uh, courtside with the Lakers, uh, he has a podcast and he was talking to Chad Johnson. Chad Johnson... Um, you know how they say you fake it till you make it? Well, he made it, and then he faked it. And I'm not talking about his efforts on the field. Uh, the thing is, is like you know how like a lot of NFL players play up their image to seem like ballers and high-time rollers and all this stuff? He was telling Shannon Sharp that a lot of the jewelry that you would see him wear, he bought at Claire's. Like, you know, that's the place where, like, 13, 14-year-old girls go to the mall to buy fake jewelry. He would buy that stuff and wear it out. And he would fly coach on Spirit Airlines, not private jets. And he says that he would do this cheap stuff uh, to save a bunch of money. And he, and he tells Shannon Sharp he has saved over 80% of the earnings he made as an NFL player. And he got some bank being an NFL player. And, he, and his basic reasoning was, like, look, Girls are going to look up how much you're worth on Google, right? So why spend a bunch of money to you know showboat and show off if they're doing that? Uh, you know, he his thing was was like his name was his bank. You know, that's that's how he got recognition. That's how he made money. And I'm telling you, the way he's describing that, this is a lot smarter than a lot of NFL players, a lot of athletes, because when you get a buttload of money, you do want to show off. And Chad kind of uh, kind of fake showed off <laughs> a little bit. It's kind of like if, if you're a Batman fan, you know that uh, Bruce Wayne doesn't drink because, well, he's Batman. And so he'll uh, fake being the, the uh, foppish playboy and uh, get drunk off of ginger ale, right? That's what Chad Johnson did. But that's very smart on his part, man. Uh and, uh, you know, he's probably living very comfortably. 
So kudos to you. You know what? It also reminds me of um, to a well. This was not really as smart, but like when Carl Weathers would um, you know basically satire himself on Arrested Development and all these cheapskate ways of saving money, and how he would use re leftovers from uh, Burger King to make a stew. <laughs> I'm not saying Chad did that, but that's what it kind of reminds me of. But uh, enjoy, enjoy the comfort of uh, retirement there, Chad. All right, uh, Stetson Benton, Bennett is old. Uh, he's 25, and somebody's going to draft him if uh, they they like guys who get like getting drunk in uh, random Texas towns at like three in the morning Saturday. Um, I mean, somebody's going to draft him. He's he's part of a back-to-back -back championship team collegiately. But, you know, him being 25 has, uh, I guess, inspired some people to go the old route, so much so that uh, this high school in Virginia, girls team, the coaching staff got fired when uh, they decided to put in, this is junior varsity, mind you, they decided to put in a 23-year-old assistant to ball with 14-year-olds, and they got uh, caught on camera, of course, because, you know, everybody's got a phone, everybody's got cameras. And we got to the uh, to the local news station, and it made big waves in Virginia, and uh, they're all fired. But the, the best part of the story is, I guess, the team that used this ringer that was a, a good nine years older than any of the other girls on the court still ended up losing that game. <laughs> Man, maybe... Maybe they could have brought on a couple of WNBA players just to help them out, just to just to make it fair, just to make it fair, right? I don't know. Um, all right, so as you know, I am a nerd. I am a, someone who is big into movies and stories not sucking. It's a small thing, really. Um, but like, since Star Wars has changed hands from George Lucas to Disney, and keep in mind, George Lucas, you could, you know, punch holes in a lot of his stuff. He's not the best screenwriter of all time. Uh, but there's been a lot of criticism about the way Disney has handled the Star Wars franchise. Now, one, there's a few exceptions to it, and I think one of them would be Jon Favreau. Uh, and the man, the Mandalorian seasons one and two have been pretty solid. There's there's no um, there's no, there's nothing too complex about it. It's basically you know a lone wolf and cub type of thing. You know the uh, the bounty hunter and the child he's trying to take care of and protect against uh, a very cold and different universe. Blah 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 blah. Very hard concept to get wrong. And then uh, they announced the book of Boba Fett, which I was uh, very excited about initially because you're taking an iconic Star Wars uh, character who made a comeback in uh, The Mandalorian, spinning that off. You're thinking, okay, you're going to get a good gangster flick. You know, he's going to take over Jabba the Hutt's thing. And then things went sideways in a real freaking hurry. Uh, they were introducing characters left and right bunch of storylines that made no sense uh, that didn't get any resolution and then all of a sudden it became the Mandalorian season 2.5 keep in mind season 3 drops um, uh, it drops later on this uh, this winter the spring and uh, there was uh, this thing where it's like okay at the end of season 2 of the Mandalorian uh, 
Mando gives Grogu Baby Yoda to Luke Skywalker for training to become a Jedi. And then it gets 86 completely in uh, the Book of Boba Fett, and Grogu ends up with the, uh, Mando again. They go off to the galaxy, so basically a major turning point in the plot uh, for uh, Mandalorian Season 2 gets undone in another series. It made no sense. It was really sloppy storytelling. And it does make me um, concerned about The Mandalorian. Well, uh, I found this story. Uh, this is from Bounding Into Comics. And it's a wild rumor from an internet blogger. But uh, Kathleen Kennedy is one of the uh, behind-the-scenes gurus at Disney. And I'm doing the air quotes thing with the uh, guru thing. And apparently she was a big reason a lot of that stuff happened. Because uh, John Favreau wanted, uh, you know, creative control of, on the on the Mandalorian. And he should have it because he's brought the a lot of success to Disney+. And then he uh, and Robert Rodriguez uh, were the showrunners for Boba Fett. And uh, when Kathy saw that at the end of Season 2, Baby Yoda possibly wouldn't be on the show anymore... She did a lot of behind-the-scenes finagling <coughs> and got Baby Yoda back into the franchise because Baby Yoda sells a lot of action figures. <coughs> and this pissed off John Favreau to no end because he had things lined up, you know, and she's circumventing him here and there. He went to Bob Chapik, complained about it, and, like, basically one of the caveats for uh, Favreau staying because he threatened to quit was that she doesn't influence season three whatsoever or any other project for Star Wars she's working on. I'm not sure how much water that would hold because, again, she circumvented it to begin with. She would do it again. And Chapik's not there. Uh, Bob Iger is there. But it's um, kind of this damned if you do, damned if you don't type of thing when it comes to working within <clears throat> these big, massive companies with characters that are marketable. Baby Yoda is now Urkel, and Urkel is now the star of Star Wars. I'm sure, uh, you know, Favreau had a lot of compelling things he wanted to tell, but they were kind of undone by the fact that one woman decided that his, his story wasn't important enough and that we, they had to still sell dolls and figures. This has been a problem for the likes of Disney and the likes of Warner Brothers, and it, it was a big reason why I got out of comic book reading, too. Um, and, uh, like, like I still read comic book trades, old school stories from, you know, the 70s, 80s, 90s, maybe the early 2000s. I haven't bought anything monthly, uh, since 2008, so it's been 15 years. But, you know, I, I got a, a, a pretty nice nerd shelf in here in the studio. But death, death became a joke. I mean, for both companies. Like, there was no sense of drama uh, no sense of real change. Uh, you know, okay, Superman's dead. He'll be back. Batman's dead. Ah, oh, he'll be back. Jean Grey, what day of the week is it? She will be back. Uh, it and it didn't matter what uh, dramatic thing a writer or a creator would do with these characters. If there was a license tied to them, those characters would be back, or they would not be changed as much as this creator would hope for. I think somebody like John Favreau, who did help launch uh, the MCU, who did direct Elf and has been involved in some other uh, movies as well, 
has kind of hit that um, wall with inside of Disney. He wants to tell a compelling story, and he's dealing with marketing, with salespeople. And that's what Kathleen Kennedy is. She doesn't give a shit about story. If she did, she would have left Favreau alone and said, okay, we had a pretty good run with Baby Yoda. Let's see what else this guy can do. But uh, the rumor would make a lot of sense seeing how that storyline was undone in another show and how that other show being <clears throat> uh, uh, Book of Boba Fett was a big steaming pile of dog shit. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a very frustrating time to be a nerd now because being a nerd, you know, you, you would always think back in the day, 20, 30 years ago, growing up, high school, at least I would, Oh, I wonder what this would look like as a movie. I wonder what this would look like as a TV show. Yeah, yeah. And now you you see it, and you see what movie studios in uh, you know big wigs do to things, and it's it's depressing as hell. Kind of a reason why I go back to the old school trades anyway. Um, now I don't have HBO Max. I uh, don't have HBO, so I haven't seen The Last of Us. And uh, you know, I kind of learned my lesson with Westworld, um, and. By that, I mean I, I did. I would watch that on DVD, and I saw the first season. I thought, "Oh my God, this is brilliant! This is a, this is great sci-fi." And then seasons two happened, and it's like, "Yeah." And then season three sucked, and now nobody talks about Westworld. So The Last of Us is now the latest big HBO show, three episodes in, and it's the best show ever, according to everybody that's watching it. And I'm not saying it's not compelling. I'm just saying, you know, you know, keep your powder dry on this. Let's see how the show plays out. Um, but some fans are kind of bitching about one aspect of this, and it's it's kind of funny because you would think with all the money that HBO is putting into this, they would um, they would be better at geography. But I guess there's a scene, cinematically speaking, I and I don't know the context because again, I don't watch the show. But uh, it just it was uh, a mountainous. Canyon, canyon area. It looked like something that would be out, like out west, maybe in the Canadian Rockies, maybe in Wyoming. I don't know, but like just a brook, mountains, and everything. And a caption that read, 10 miles west of Boston, which um, isn't as mountainous, I guess, as this scene. I've seen, I saw pictures of it, uh, stills of it on the internet. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's that's not New England right there. I mean, there are mountainous areas of New England, but not not like that outside of Boston. Um, it did remind me, though, uh, if, you, if you go back and watch some of the old school X-Files episodes and how it's blatantly obvious that they're filming this in uh, British Columbia out in Canada, I remember watching it, and it's like the show. The episode was supposed to, you know, take place in Iowa, and there's mountains everywhere. Um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations. Try not to get too worked up about it. Um, and again, if you take um, the, the the term rock and roll as it once was pop music, uh, and not necessarily rock music. Okay, the nominations make sense. You may not like every artist nominated, but it doesn't help to get an ulcer worked up. The thing that I kind of bitch about, though, is when um, they they get real exclusive with the induction classes, because there are you could probably put together uh, a list of at least one hundred artists from across hard rock, country, rap, pop, all sorts of genres that are still deserving to get in, 
and I'm looking at the nomination list, and I think I do have this linked up if I haven't already. Uh, it will be on the Mike Davidson Facebook page, but Warren Zevon is nominated this year. The dude died in 2003. It's 20 years later. I, I, I'm surprised the guy is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet. Uh, Werewolves of London, Excitable Boy, Poor Pitiful Me, uh, Lawyers, Guns, and Money, which is a great song. Uh, and it may or may not be about Hunter Biden. I don't know. Um, but it's he was a great songwriter, great piano player, very entertaining dude. Uh, actually, one of Dave Letterman's favorite musicians. This dude's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet. You know, and they only put in like seven or eight a year. They need to expand that. They need to expand that class. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's uh, all sorts of artists that are still not in yet. Willie Nelson is nominated. Now, if you put Dolly Parton in, you have to put in Willie Nelson. And I'm telling you that after party, it is going to be lit. All right, uh, a couple more exa examples of, um, uh, you know, the streamers not knowing how to appease viewers or uh, do anything content-wise. Paramount Plus and the Showtime app which are both owned by Viacom, are going to merge. And I think they're going to call it uh, Paramount Plus with Showtime now, which they should have done from the beginning because you're essentially just competing when you, with yourself when you have multiple streaming platforms. You should just... If you're one company, you have one streaming platform. And maybe you don't try to make as much original content because that does cost money and that does put you in the red. And you need to be a little more selective about the projects. But no, that's not what they did. And so now you have another example of this. Paramount Plus with Showtime. Makes sense. Should have been doing it from the beginning. You know, and that's it's kind of like with HBO Max and uh, CNN Plus. You know, they're like, oh, okay, we're going to launch this streaming service that is exclusively CNN. And we're going to make a lot of money. But nobody watches CNN. And to subscribe, yeah, forget it. It's just... That's a mess. And Netflix is going to be cracking down at the end of this quarter, I guess after March, on password sharing. Yeah, that's not going to cause a flock of people to cancel. Uh, they, look, yeah, you don't want people to... You don't want, like, 20 people sharing the same damn password. But if it's three or four and it's in the same household, who gives a flying crap? Yeah, apparently Netflix, though. Alright, uh, a couple more things here. Uh, to Leslie, uh, it's the small movie that uh, Hollywood hates. Uh, the, the actress, uh, was it Andrea Reisenauer? Reise, Riseborough. Andrea Riseborough. She was nominated for Best Actress, and everybody was scratching their heads about this one and saying, how could you? We were going to give the trophy to Viola, Viola Davis, and now we can't because you took the nomination. Your movie only made $30,000. Something went wrong. Something went wrong. Uh, they're not going to revoke her nomination. So uh, congratulations, I guess, to Andrea Riseborough. And, uh, you know, Hollywood has to eat that uh, shit sandwich they made that they, uh, they honor the art film because they've done it so many times in the past. <laughs> it's, it's not a good look when a multi-billion dollar industry tries to go after a small movie that made $30,000 total. Yeah, that's basically a 40-hour minimum wage paycheck right there. 
don't do the math. I'm just doing a half-ass estimation here. But I just that's not a good look. And these people were like crapping themselves over this. Yeah, move on. And, uh, well, I forgot. Uh, we'll wrap it up with one more R.I.P. The Dr. Phil Show. After 21-odd years, uh, it is going away. Uh, after uh, solving no one's problems and uh, launching the career of Catch Me Out... Catch Me Outside Girl, who makes money off of that whole thing. Oh, my God. Uh, but don't worry, he's go he's not going anyway yet. He's going to be doing some primetime television because, again, network television and media companies don't know how to generate content. Yeah, let's put, let's put another train wreck out there. People will just heat it up. All right, that's it for me. Until next time, stay fresh, Tuesday. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com backslash M Davidson Lives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Lives.